welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. Mm, let's get ready to rumble! It's showtime. 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 It's showtime. Showtime! And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome to Taking Care of Business. I'm Jackie Mitchell. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, Jackie Mitchell is actually off taking care of business. She's taking care of her own business, Brandstorm Marketing, and doing some amazing things. So she's asked me, Warwick Merry, uh, the voice that you've heard on almost every episode, to come along and host for the day. So welcome to Taking Care of Business. What an exciting day. Today, I have been given full run of the studio, so uh, we're going to do something a bit innovative. We're going to talk about innovation. So today, I'm thrilled to have some amazing guests in the studio with me that we're going to be talking about innovation. What is it? How do we do it? And because there's a lot of talk for small and medium business about innovation is the future. What is innovation? Is it taking small steps, big steps? And what sort of support is out there if you want to be innovative? Innovative. So later on in the show, we're going to be talking to an award-winning industrial designer who has recently won the gold medal for a chair design at the Melbourne Design Awards. We're going to be talking to the lovely Philippe Gouchard later on this morning. But to start with, I'd like to welcome my first guest, the CEO of the EIBC and MEC, the lovely Daniel Story. Daniel. Welcome to the show. Warwick, it's so good to be here. And it's good to be here interacting with you in the live voice, not the recording. The live voice. That's uh, So I, I have to ask straight away, in a world of acronyms, what the heck does MEC and EIBC stand for? Okay. The MEC was the traditional Monash Enterprise Centre, which uh, is, an, is an incubator in the middle of the city of Monash. Um, been running since 1999, servicing 40 to 50 to 60 or even up to about 120 businesses at any one time, small businesses trying to grow. Uh, and about four years ago, uh, the the company that runs the business and the city of Monash uh, were uh, awarded a grant to build a brand spanking new innovation and co-working space. And it is Amazing. So this is the EIBC. The Eastern Innovation Business Centre. Okay, so let's start with the first one, Eastern. So what area does the EIBC support? So it, it supports all of the Melbourne South East. So part of the funding uh, and the stakeholders involved was Melbourne South East, which was the councils and industry bodies uh, four or five years ago, as they were called. Yep. And so there are many – it's a regional facility um, and, and we see it as a place – when I say regional, and one of our values is diversity, um, so we're, uh, uh, we have stakeholders um, and people who are involved from education, from enterprise, from government, all local, state <coughs> and federal government, uh, from healthcare and also the preneurs and businesses who are engaged with us. So we're, we're very diverse. <laughs> uh, so tell me a bit about the physical building. Uh, like, is, am, am I just expecting, you know, rooms and a roof and doors at the front? Like, what, what funky, innovative stuff have you got in your building? Uh, we've got, we've got um, science laboratories, wet labs, dry labs, co-working spaces. Um, we've got something that absolutely everybody in the world wants. Uh, what's that? Free Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> We're not a poker stop. Okay? <laughs> Somebody did say we should be a poker stop, and I'm wondering, no. It's a poker stop? Poker stop. Oh, 
well, we'll talk about that on another show. Right. Oh, is that for Pokemon Go? Yeah. Is that, oh, my yeah. God. Let's not even go there. Let's not even go there. Um, all right. So we've got, uh, we've got uh, an innovation zone. We've got um, workstations for that. We've got uh, the coolest coffee machine in the whole wide world. But, but and, and I understand the coffee machine has a name. George. George the coffee machine. You George. know you know you've got it. And I was actually at a networking event you were hosting the other night and met George. George looks like a Dalek on speed. Like he's a huge, he's a big boy. George is amazing. We call him George because George Clooney was the representative for Nespresso. Um, and uh, I am aiming, George, if you're out there listening to 97.5 Taking Care of Business Radio, um, I'd like you to come and visit us. Excellent. So tell me, um, with the EIBC, what sort of – support do you give organisations who want to be innovative or how do you help organisations with their innovation? That's a big question, a great question. Only the big questions here on taking care of business. (laughs) I guess we've got to come back to the first question you asked earlier is what is innovation? Yeah. And for innovation, I've always said, is is nobody describes it the same way. It's a bit like love. Yeah. It's kind of got to be part of something you go through. Um, Yeah. For some businesses, innovation is coming up with a brand spanking new tech piece that allows them to make a difference or make a change or disrupt a market. For other people, innovation is a totally different way of working with their workforce or with their clients. Um, For other people, again, it's being able to go and have a chat to your customers and say, in an ideal world, how could we create something with Mm. you that would make your business or your life better? And then going through so that that's the generation of ideas and then the process of innovation is then getting the support, putting the pro- plans into process, testing and measuring um, and then taking something to market and creating an outcome. Right. Now, an outcome might not be always a success. It could be the first failure that leads you to the next success. Uh, um, so innovation is quite complicated uh, but what we do is we provide the foundation and the support, so knowledge about um, things like how would you plan it, what is test and measuring, how you market research, how do you fund it, um, can you get grants, um, who who can support you, uh, and of course we do all that with a really low cost base mm. of space where people can uh, engage with other people, continue to generate ideas. So essentially, you're you're providing the space and resources and and if, no, if nothing else, mentors and, yeah. and, and an innovative work environment. Because I'm sure I'm sure that the the different organisations you've got there will bounce ideas off each other. Because you you know, as you're standing next to George getting a coffee, you're going to throw ideas around, yeah? Absolutely. The kitchen table, as in any house, is the place where most of the conversations seem. <laughs> That's to happen. where the magic happens. <laughs> you know, we can have an event, and the next thing you know, we're looking through a couple of the spaces, and there's everybody gathered around the kitchen table, all talking about a problem they might have, and someone will go, I know how to solve that. Let's work on. Yeah, yeah, great. So tell me about some of the businesses that you've got at the OBC. Um, One that that I like the sound of is the one that uses drones. Um, Drones just fascinate me. But they're using it, they're sort of like using it on their big brother. So they use drones to assess wind turbines for their, what maintenance they need, what servicing they need, that kind of stuff. Tell me a bit about that business. Uh, Absolutely. So Brandler Engineering is one of our tenants and they um, aftermarket uh, test and maintain wind farms. It's an Australian company, um, but there's a huge market in Denmark. So the management actually shifted to Denmark and they've left the engineers here and all around the world 
coolest stories, like <laughs> flying to China to work on wind t- turbines uh, in the middle of the. Ch- oh, forgive me, because I don't actually know if it is the China Sea. That was my assumption, and realizing that there was a two-hour boat trip out to, <laughs> to this turbine where they had a two-hour window. Um, the stuff that they do yeah. is um, incredible and just so cutting edge. Yeah, and they're doing stuff like heat testing and like stress diagnosis. That they everything they can try and do from these drones yes. as they're there looking at these these huge turbines and it's not just turbines they look at but that's one of their, their core it markets is, it is and and so far mind expanding that um i could start making stuff up so i better not <laughs> <laughs> but i mean they're incredible we've got um we've got uh, teams working on tech products on platforms for training we've got hr people looking at innovative processes in um employment we've got um people who 3d uh, who um who flat pack build out of uh, China? Now, by flat pack build, you mean flat pack build houses. So we're not going to IKEA to get a flat pack of our our cupboard. <laughs> no, we're getting a house off the shelf that just comes, and then they go and up comes a house. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, then and and they can put it up in seven days, and it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, the things that we've got people building apps, we've got people designing um, web protocols that are only now just being thought of. And, and of course, we're all trying to say, every time someone comes to me and says, um, can we try this? I go, well, we're an innovation centre. Let's give it a go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What we can do. Let's keep talking to the, the stakeholders and the government about being uh, always looking forward. Yeah, yeah. And um, you, you've got some really good spaces. Like when I was at the networking event, I saw that you had these really cool little meeting booths that are essentially soundproof um, that, are, that are part of the, the format, So, as well as meeting rooms with yellow plastic flaps on it. So you can sort of see through, but it keeps, it keeps your privacy in. So there's, you've, the building itself is displaying innovation and then it's become this hub for innovation as well. Uh, absolutely. Designed by um, internal team at the City of Monash mm. um, and built by amazing builders, project managed again by the City of Monash. It's a state-of-the-art building. Right. I could say anybody who's listening that's thinking, gee, I'd like to build a building, give me a call and I'll take you through and show you. I'll introduce you to the people. Now, I know I know with the MEC, the Monash Enterprise Centre, you can be an affiliate member where you actually don't have residency in the building but you can be involved with some of the stuff going on. Uh, and that might not be the right terminology, but uh, yeah. is the same to be said for the EIBC? The, Absolutely. The, you, so you can be part of it, so you can do the networking, you can go and do the brainstorming, you can be part of it, but you don't actually have to be based there. Yeah, you can be part of our community. Um, there, are, there are very affordable packages where you can use us as your business address you can say hey you know i'm part of the eastern innovation business center come into network um engage learn right um and then um so you're part of the you know the the remote community i guess but not remote in the terms of we never see you we always see you and (laughs) Um, yeah, and you operate, and yeah, and then of course they're all the way up to having offices in the centre. Oh, fantastic! Hey, um, we have to pay for our innovation and go to a couple of ads, but you're going to hang around with us and keep talking to us. I really want to talk to Philippe, so I'm staying. Fantastic! It's time to get on up with a bit of innovation, and we have with us Philippe Gouchard from D2 Melbourne. Welcome, Philippe. Welcome, Warwick. Um, Hello, Daniel. Nice to see you again. Hello, Philip. Lovely to see you too. Um, so you have just won uh, the Gold Design Award. Tell me, tell me a bit about the award first and then tell me about how you've won it. Okay. Uh, we won the Melbourne uh, Design Award, the gold um, in the gold section. So there were about 45 gold uh, awardees on that night and it was about two weeks ago. Right. And so you've won it for the Revology chair? Is exactly. Okay. Yes, yeah. So describe to the listeners, what is the Revology chair? 
Um, it all started with the um, concept and the idea of uh, Alexander CEO, and he had this um, a combination of uh, amazing insight, I would say. Uh, the first one is using linen as a material, and and in order to do that, he so linen, li linen. Yes. I have to interrupt. Linen as a cover, or linen as actually a sturdy material. As a sturdy material. Wow. Yes. So let let's imagine. We, we all know those carbon fiber uh, frame for bikes. Mm -hmm. So yep. anyone can relate to that, I guess, to some extent. Well, you imagine that, but instead of having carbon fiber, you would use linen. Okay. And after that, the technology is, is very different, and, and there are a lot of point of difference, but that would be uh, getting into two technical details. <laughs> but there, there are a number of things. One is that new material called flax, and that's uh, a mix of uh, linen and thermoplastics. Right. And... Uh, the technology to mass manufacture that is based on a rock tool technology, which is induction molding. And that's also completely mind-blowing and new. Right. So what we've done is we've taken probably one of the oldest pieces of technology, the chair, which started off as a rock that we sat on, and now you've turned it into something which is using some of the latest in injection molding com combination of resins and plastics with natural fiber um, to create this amazing looking chair. By the way, uh, for the listeners, if you head over to our Facebook page, uh, Taking Care of Business Facebook page, you'll see there's a video there of the chair itself, um, which is just amazing because not only is it a chair, but it's flexible. You can you can have a couple of different surfaces. Is that right? Like because you can have a flax back or a clear back or a exactly. We'll uh, we'll we'll give options to the yeah. user so you can have the chair without any lumbar support. Right. Uh, so it's very elegant, very pure. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can have two different types of uh, lumbar support. One will be completely uh, clear, like a clear um, plastic, mm -hmm. and the other one will be uh, using linen. So that will give a, a very warm uh, feel and texture to that chair. Right. So. Let's go back to because you're the you're the designer, the industrial design who's designed the chair. Yes. So how do you do that? How do you take something like most people like for myself when I first saw it, I'm like, it's a chair, like a chair's a chair, and we take chairs for granted. So how do you how do you be innovative? How did you come up with this kind of approach? Uh, well, the, the process was very interesting. Uh, it all started with the CEO intention, Alexandre, mm -hmm. and and he kind of founded the DNA of his company, which is an eye on the past, an eye on the present, and an eye on the future. Mm -hmm. And that's defined the whole value system of his company. Mm. So project number one is this chair. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 the work we started to do together about a year and a half ago is how do we manifest a chair from those values? That, that's pretty much the, the, the work. So... Uh, the, the process was sketching, having a conversation, I like, I don't like, or it's not quite there, mm. and keep uh, implementing and, and moving the project forward. And then we are still doing that today. Right. Uh, so we have an amazing mock-up that's been on the video and, mm. and on the trade show in Paris a few months ago. And, um, and we're listening to the feedback from potential customers and, and you know, the crowd yep. and, uh, and tweaking everything so that we, we come up with the best possible product out there. Right. So, so what came first in terms of, because I'm really interested in the manufacturing process, did you design the, the linen piece you wanted and then say, how do we actually make this? Or did you find out what is available as a product out there and then how do I incorporate that into the chair? Um, 
I think the process was a bit different. One of the things that make me slightly distinctive in a design world is that I have two degrees. I have a degree in mechanical engineering and I have a degree in industrial design. So the output of that for my clients is that Everything I sketch, I know how to manufacture. Right. And for some reason, I don't know, I'm going to talk to the guys yeah. and I'm going to make that happen. Right. So one of the very first things we did with Alexander is trying to figure out what are the constraints and the potential also of that manufacturing technology and that material. Mm-hmm. And from that, we've been sketching and we sketch around those constraints mm. and in the same time incorporating all the values of that company. And that's why the seat is uh, transparent. Because mm. um, it's not about the chair, it's about the material. Right. It's about linen. Yes. And that's the, the huge breakthrough of that uh, concept, that company and that chair. Right, right. So, because um, that, that must be, you know, going beyond the chair into the, the many other designs that you've done over the years, because just for the listeners' background, you spent, was it 20 years doing industrial design back in... France? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a bit more than 20 years now. He's oh, a young, young whippersnapper here, the lovely fellow. the wrinkles here. <laughs> so you've had a lot of experience doing industrial design. You've won multiple awards over the years. So how much of the idea of what you could do is restrained by the actuality of what you can do? Like how do you – if you put your design hat on – how much are you filtering it by, based on what I know of manufacturing, what can I do? So therefore, no, I can't design it that way because we might not be able to do it versus let's just do something crazy and then later on go, oh, can we actually make it? Hmm. Yeah, well, that's where the combination of my two degrees and my natural inclination is, uh, is giving me the edge. Um, right. I, I kind of combine everything from day one. Right. And, and even though... There are still a lot of details to be figured out, and that's the whole process of you know designing and, and coming up with a new product. But from the very beginning, I incorporate all the different constraints. Yeah. So, I, I think the 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 the, the whole work uh, I'm, I'm doing as a designer, if I, I just my design hat right now, yeah, is to make sure that I keep the essence of the design all the way through. Right. And if I lose that somehow, I need to go back and, and, and focus on that. Okay. Okay. So the essence of the design has the priority over the manufacturing exactly. limitations. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about something else you've designed that you've yeah. done a, um, I think it was a Kickstarter or a, a yeah. pub, pub, public funding, mm-hmm. Cable Stop. Yes. So um, again, Cable Stop, for, I, I don't know about you, but I have more cables coming out of my PCs and phones that I can poke a stick at that are all over the place like a mad woman's breakfast. So you've designed this very elegant piece of plastic with a chunk of steel in it, for one of a more technical term, but it just keeps all of your cables together. So tell me about that process, including the crowdfunding. Yes. Well, that product was extremely interesting in terms of learning. Um, the, the, one of the very first prototypes uh, is very similar in terms of function mm-hmm. to the actual product, but it's completely different in terms of user experience and look and feel. Right. So the first product, you could also block a cable with mm-hmm. a, a weight, which is cable stuff for the listeners is pretty much like a paper weight, but for cables. It's a bit smarter. Uh, it adapts to the height of the different cables and everything. But in a nutshell, mm. it's based on gravity. It's going to sit a bit of weight on a cable, and then you can put your cable on the left or right and everything. So it's 
extremely and there's no sticky tape or anything it's just purely gravity you can move it around if you choose to but it keeps things clean it's extremely uh friendly in terms of usage yeah that that was the key uh, component of it Mm. um but yeah in terms of function the very first uh concept was extremely different than what the product is today um so again we we did about 30 different uh prototypes and iterations right and our People think I'm maybe a bit of a perfectionist or something, but th- but that's that's to me uh, design is in the details. Yeah. So uh, I'll continue to tweak the design until it's it it's there. Right. And if it's not there, I need to go back to the drawing board and, and, and continue to to sketch and ink. Yeah. Okay. Um. And a part of innovation that we don't talk about a great deal is the business side of it. So yeah. you're actually you're presenting Cable Stop somewhere shortly. Yeah, uh, on Monday I will do the innovation pitch fest. Right. Uh, so I'm going to pitch cable stop. So that's that's awesome. I'm yeah. really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, wish me luck. And good luck. <laughs> and, uh, so, so tell me a bit about innovation pitch fest. What's that? Um, well, it's um, that will be a one day um, one day event where about twenty companies are going to pitch. Yeah. Uh, there will be a number of rounds, so yeah. we're going to pitch several times during the day. Yeah. And after that, uh, there will be four people or four companies that's going to uh, be selected for the next round. And the next round will be in Sydney with the people from Sydney that's been selected. Yeah. And um, there are a couple of winners, and then you there are a couple of uh, commercial deals that you can, they can go to the next yeah, level. Exactly, Fantastic. Exactly. Mate, I'm exhausted just hearing about it. You've got to be there for the day and have be pitching four or five times like – that, that must be an emotional roller coaster as well. Uh, I'm sure it will be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I tried my piece la- la- last night. Yes, I went to the uh, open mic uh, event and I tried to pitch on stage just to see how it felt. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that's going to be an amazing experience. I mean, I'm going to learn whatever. Yeah, happen, I'm going to learn a lot. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's. Amazing. Action. Yeah, fantastic. So it's not just doing the innovation, it's then looking at, well, how do I fund it or how do I take it to the next level? Um, I want to talk uh, a little bit about um, evolution versus revolution when it comes to innovation. So I'm going to get both of you involved, but we're going to uh, go run a couple of ads first and uh, a bit of music and then come back and talk more about innovation. Philippe, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Warwick. So the question is, are you ready for innovation? We have some innovation gurus in the room today that we're talking to uh, the lovely Daniel Story from EIBC and MEC and the equally as lovely Philippe Gouchard, our international suave, sophisticated man here talking today about uh, innovation. So let's talk, uh, let's talk about evolution versus revolution. Daniel, you were just saying something very interesting about why organisations are hesitant to disrupt their own industry. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I'm in the middle of um, producing a podcast called Innovation for the Centre and interviewing some amazing people throughout the country. And I interviewed one of the founders from Acquire, an innovation specialist company, uh, just the yes- yesterday, the day before yesterday. And, um, and he was saying that often people won't uh, disrupt their own industry because it's then has the potential of disrupting their own income and, or their own flow or what they're currently doing within that. You know, it risks the income or the success of what you've currently got. Yeah. And, and so that risk will often mean that people are a little more hesitant to go in and disrupt the industry. Uh, and so therefore revolution or creating great change often comes in from outside. And because and you see that in, in the world. Oh, a revolution uh, in a... Uber a versus taxis. Yeah, yeah, like the, the taxi industry would not be the one who are saying, mm, how can we make our fares less? Yeah, you know, or, it's, 
Yeah, I mean, but you see it in a political sense. Um, quite often it's somebody coming in with a different opinion mm. or a different viewpoint. And, of course, then the risk is that they don't completely understand the industry. So there's good and bad in that. Mm. I don't completely understand the industry, so I have to be a little bit careful that I don't miss something really important. I may not have done the right market research on the clients. Um, I may... Um, I may miss something, which means that we may not succeed. And, mm. and make but you also don't have the preconceived ideas, so you don't have the oh, but this is how things are done around uh-huh. here mindset. The, one of the one of the real stopping points to innovation is that oh no, that won't work. Yeah, because I've been here for twenty years and I've seen that that just won't work. <laughs> <laughs> Philippe, what's your experience with evolution versus revolution when it comes to innovation? Well, I was just trying to reflect on that as Danielle was um, sharing her insight. Um, I, I'd like to relate to the uh, different type of clients that I have and the different type of work then uh, that is the outcome. So I had startup small uh, businesses and corporates as clients over the years. And I completely agree. It's For me, that was really hard to put innovation, like breakthrough products, in a corporate structure mm-hmm. because there is a lot of resistance because, um, well, there are politics and everything, but um, th- their understanding of innovation or breakthrough innovation is very different from a small company or startup. And I have to confess, maybe my favorite client would be startups because mm-hmm. they, they suffer from obscurity. Nobody knows them. So if you want to be seen out there, you really need to push the boundaries much further. Yeah, Something that it's much harder to do in a big corporation. So yeah. that would be just my take based on my experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it is sometimes with the bigger organizations, uh, they're scared of taking that risk. Um, they're, scared, they're scared of like killing the sacred cow, or you know, putting the sacred cow to one side and going for something else. Quite, quite often, quite often in large organisations, it pays to take a group of people out. Mm-hmm. So take them out of the organisation. That way they don't have the competing, oh, but I've got something I've got to do today with the existing job mm. and take them out and install them somewhere in an innovation centre, yep. uh, in a co-working space or somewhere for a little bit of time to have them work on something different. Let them test and measure, test and measure, refine, bring it to a point that when you pop it back into the corporate space and, again, you know, this is one of the founders from Acquire. He was saying this, so I'm, I'm very much parroting what he was saying. Pop it back in and it has a better chance of surviving. You're right. And that was um, – I mean, you had a guest speaker the other evening who was talking about how he is the innovation uh, champion within their organisation. And because – it's it's very common for for many years. Corporates will go, oh yes, we're innovative, you know. But then they're like, well, we're too busy actually doing what we need to do. And and for many small businesses who are not typically in the innovative space, it is the man. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. I'm just trying to grow my business a little bit by little bit. So I, I actually don't have time for innovation. I'm just trying to service my customers. So he was saying you actually need someone who is the innovation champion to actually drive you. Yeah, he's he's a so he's an entrepreneur. Here's a term that we're not using in Australia yet and I guarantee you in the next five years everyone will start talking. So for all you entrepreneurs out there who are thinking, what am I going to do with the rest? Am I, do, I, do I want to continue doing what I'm doing? The, the next step for many entrepreneurs is to become an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. an entrepreneur in residence or an innovation manager. You've stepped out, you've run lean, you understand market research, test and measure and what Philippe was just saying about – um, about needing to shout a little bit louder because nobody knows you and stepping back in on either an employment or contract with the larger companies are saying we need people like you yep. to help us to continue to evolve to stay different in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, and they're entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in residence. And that, that was Ben Flavel from Geofabrics. Guy's amazing, so inspiring. So let's talk about innovation for smaller business. How do you be more innovative? Like for the for listeners out there who are like, right, I need more innovation in my business. So Philippe, as our uh, design innovative master, how, how are some of the ways that you would suggest organisations can uh, Im- implement more innovation? Um, that's a, And that's an extremely uh, deep question and very good question. There, there are a couple of tools I've been using over the last you know, two decades or something. One is, uh, they are both quite simple in, in many aspects. Um, one is called uh, observing customer frustration. And, and I'm just amazed uh, that people have no idea what their customers are really doing mm-hmm. with their products. Like, they, they have the numbers, they have the sometimes the paper feedback or, you know, but if I say, well, have you been on the field looking at real people using your product say, oh, no. Is there anybody doing that in your company? Oh, no. Why, why would we? It's like, well, you may have a few learnings there. And sometimes you don't need to innovate like on a technology point of view. Uh, you just need to tweak your product so that it fits the behavior of mm-hmm. the person who's going to use that. And that's an extremely powerful tool. Like, right. seriously, I, I had a couple of very successful products just based on that. And the other tool I've been using, I call that the initial question. Uh, it's a bit more uh, high level at the mm-hmm. beginning, but the implications are just amazing. I'll, I'll try to summarize that. Um, the initial question is a product is just an answer to a question that was um, um, given um, before. Like the door is an answer to a question man- mankind had centuries ago. And, and the question may have been, how do I separate space? So now if you reframe that question to our current needs, if I talk about your bedroom door, is the question, how do I separate space, or is that, how do I protect intimacy? And if you look from the perspective of, how do I protect intimacy, you just realize that that piece of wood on hinges is probably not the best answer. Mm -hmm. So then you have this whole room for innovation there. And uh, and you just need to take that time to really sit and and but after that you you have really breakthrough innovations. Like. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, Why don't I just say I attended a hackathon recently, and I say to everybody that's listening, if you do yourself one favour in the next twelve months, is attend a hackathon. Um, and um, I attended the Australian Marketing Institute hackathon, and they taught us some design thinking protocols, similar to what you're saying: observing customer frustration, um, asking question, or answering a question. One of the things they did was something called breaking down of assumptions. So we, you'd be given a premise, and it says, "Well, now let's look at all the presumptions that you have about that premise." And um, I mean, again, our, our premise was, "How do you weigh one's head?" And the very first assumption we broke down was the assumption that the head should be attached. I mean, you know, because <laughs> everyone was coming up with the old traditional get in water, the displacement of the water, weigh it, that should be what your head was. And, and then from that was this extrapolation of all these assumptions we make. And if you could break those assumptions, all of a sudden these incredible ideas come out. Now, an idea is not innovation, Philippe, is it? I mean, it it's, can result in innovation. Yeah, I, I think for me, the, the key of innovation is uh, an, an idea that is implemented. Mm-hmm. And implementation, it's, it's a lot of hard work because you need to do the work to um, materialize the product. And it could be graphic or it could be UX or, or physical product. You need to ma- but it has to make sense on a business level. 
And, and that's going to restrict also the number of outcomes. You know, if you're not profitable, yeah. there's no way of putting that product out there. I've been to many barbecues where people go, oh, I thought of that idea before they did. And it's like, well, you might have thought of it, but they did something with it. Yeah, I have a beautiful story about that. You know, I've been selling cable stuff at the Melbourne design market for a few times now because I learn a lot from the conversation I have with my, my, my clients. And, and there are a number of things that they say. Uh, one is they look at the product, they touch it, they understand it and, and share that with their friends. And they say, oh, I could have done that myself. Mm. And because, you know, Cable Stop is, in its essence, is quite a simple product. As you say, it's a, a framework that holds the cables and then heavyweight that holds it down. It's exactly. Very, very simple. But you've taken the idea and gone, well, what's the right material for that? What's the right shape of that? Well, how do I get that manufactured in a cost effective manner? How do I make it attractive so people want to buy it? So there's a lot that goes into it versus going, well, I'll just get this heavy thing and plop it down on the cables. So. There really is that innovation, uh, and innovation doesn't have to be product related. So, it, like a lot of innovation is, is just shifting processes. Be it the likes of the Airbnb and the Ubers and the whatever, to even just simple processes in your own business. This is where the accounting soft- software packages have made a huge difference. Where they're like, we'll go out. Don't worry about bringing in your bank statements. We'll go to your bank, get your bank statements, and we'll automatically reconcile it. So all of a sudden, you're saving someone almost a salary in terms of what they're doing. We're here today talking about innovation, and as with all things with innovation, it doesn't always work like you want it to. You've got to press a few buttons to make sort of stuff happen, uh, and that is part of the fun. But um, I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about what's next. What's next with the innovation with what you're working on? So, Danny, I'm going to start with you with what's happening at the uh, EIBC and the MEC. Uh, what are the key things that you're focusing on? You, you talked about how you're doing the po- podcast to spread the message of innovation. What are some of the other innovation kind of things that uh, you and all your clients are, are, are doing next? That's the thing about that's the thing about innovation. You don't really quite know where we're going to be in, in twenty or, um, you know, by the time we get to twenty twenty or twenty twenty two or twenty twenty five. Naturally, there's a lot of focus on technology uh, because technology enables us to do things. Um, focus on new energy and different ways that we're going to receive. You know, does Wi-Fi always have to be Wi-Fi? Is it going to be a different way of transmitting information um, and um, and communication? Uh, opportunities because I think there are some really cool uh, and this is where not being a t- this is where not being a technology deep person that I, I just have this vision that in sort of five or six years time we will have completely different ways of transmitting information that will make the PC look like the old teledex mm. you know we go wow we used to do it that way and now we do it this way um, but always what we'll be focusing on is collaborating to um, create better outcomes for everybody that's not going to change mm. the relationships between people uh, um, I they that that's a very high priority for us well that's really the constant of innovation is in terms of how do we make this better how do we make it easier? How do we make it safer? So it's like, how do we make it better for people who are operating it? Like just you're talking there, uh, you mentioned the Teledex. And I, I, I've had this flashback because I'm listeners, because I'm old. Um, I had this flashback of the little gadget you had beside the telephone that you'd move the, up to the right letter of the alphabet. You'd press a button, it'd flick open. And there you've written the 15 different people. You'd crossed half of them out because they've moved and they've got a different f- phone number. 
Whereas now it's just it's all on your phone. You start typing the phone number, bang up it comes and yeah, away it you go. It's, you can phonetically spell it and away uh, mother. Yeah, or, or you don't even have to dial it. You'll just yeah. go, hey phone, dial this person. Like how cool is that? So now with Google Glass and brain implants, whatever, we just think of them and bang. We're sort of visually seeing them. Is that what's next? Yeah. Look, um, I had a visit um, of the nanofabrication unit in Clayton where they're working on the smallest elements of both biological and technological things and the communication of that. You know, imagine imagine that you could self-diagnose based on what pops up on your wrist palm um, about what's going on in your body and why your heart rate or your glucose sugar or your whatever – um, because technology is integrated into your bio. <laughs> I'm really, really looking forward to the Yeah, fantastic. Philippe, what's coming up for you with uh, innovation? Obviously, you've got still things going on with Cable Stop and the Revology Chair. Uh, what other innovative things you've got going on? Uh, well, I got a number of projects out there, but you know, some which we can't talk yeah, about exactly. because you know, uh, top secret. I, I have to keep reflecting in, in, in a more global way. Um, I, I think for me, um, the innovation ecosystem is just going to grow. Uh, because we have a number of uh, uh, huge challenges ahead, and we can't really think in silo and, and like we used to do anymore. Like the old innovation system is kind of, I guess, dying, and we need to have a much more broader view of that. Um, so for me, as a designer, that's translate into uh, designing for the triple bottom line. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the last few years, uh, decades, I've been designing with a business model, making sure that the products out there will be profitable. But profit for greed is not, you know, extremely exciting uh, today. So uh, profit for purpose, like, that's much more interesting. So if you can design for the triple bottom line, making sure the products are profitable, but also they are sustainable, uh, more gentle with the environment, if not repairing the environment, which is even more exciting. And if you have a positive social impact, that's for me. That's the holy grail. Yeah, yeah. Because it is. It's like it's like people think that there's a second planet we can go to when this one's broken, or a second community we can use because this is just too hard anymore. Um, so thank you for those those bits of input. I think it's now time for this a segment that, that Jackie has instilled that we we like, which is called Jackie's Pearls of Wisdom. So let's go to Jackie's Pearls of Wisdom. Welcome to Taking Care of Businesses. Pearls of Wisdom with Jackie Mitchell. And again, I'll be your Jackie Mitchell for the day. Uh, so, so Jackie likes to have the Pearl of Wisdom. What's the one thing? So starting with you, Danielle, what's your Pearl of Wisdom for our listeners this week? Well, like you, um, I remember the year 2000 very well. Um, and we are closer to 2030 than we are to the year 2000. That's a bit scary. It's, I think it's mind expanding. <laughs> Philippe, what's your Pearl of Wisdom? Um, I was trying to reflect on that as you were uh, launching the you know jingle and everything. Uh, I think that would be get started. Yeah. Like if you have an idea, um, just try to find ways to put it out there, even if it's ugly, even if it's I don't know. It, that no, just try to put it out there. <laughs> yeah. And then um, implement. Uh, ask for feedback. Ask for co collaboration and everything. Yeah. And then the idea is going to grow if it's a good one and die yeah. if it's not. A, uh, and and that, is, learn? that is learn. That is that whole uh, action is the magic word. Not words are the magic action. So you know, yeah. let's let's do stuff. Yeah, idea is one percent, and nine hundred percent is implementation <laughs> and hard work. So yeah. you know, you need to start early and yeah. then, you know keep. Um, my um, my pearl of wisdom, and it's been stimulated by what you were saying, Philippe, is it's all about asking better questions. Yeah. 
I really think that a lot of innovation comes from the quality of the question that we ask. Now, that, that can be, again, whether it's designing products or, or looking at what service levels I want to give or if, what, how do I interact better with my customer. It is really asking better questions and, and, as you were saying before, like getting rid of those kind of assumptions. So not going, oh, well, the customer will like this versus, well, let's ask them. And that's one of the joyful things around um, social media in terms of you can get that instant feedback at no cost about what your real life customers are thinking. And there's a lot of big companies who get feedback on social media who do nothing with it or try and pretend it doesn't exist or delete it or, you know, so it, it does become that, you know, let's use the tools that we already have that cost us no or low money to look at asking better questions on how we can we can take forward and do better things. So what are some of the questions that have helped you with innovation with what the stuff that you're doing uh, at the, the EIBC in terms of with your, your clients there? I actually, coming back to the very first thing that Philippe was talking about um, is something that we do and that's values focus. So focusing on values. I've been, it's something that we do there, um, the values of the centre. Um, and something that, Philip, when you said, if we could create not from let's create a product that solves a problem but what are the values that we have and what are we trying to achieve, that opens up a much wider world. You know, one of our values is curiosity. Mm. Imagine if we went into every day and we, the team, the board um, and our stakeholders are very focused on going into every day with, an, with a focus on curiosity because it's childlike curiosity that says, well, I'm not going to make any assumptions here today that I'm right and you're wrong or you're wrong and I'm right. Oh, that's the same thing. <laughs> and isn't that what so many people do? Um, I'm going to go in with this 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 thought that well, maybe there's something here I haven't seen before, and mm. that's that's when the future is created. Right. Um, I, I, I like um, in the lead up to this, I was putting a few things on on the Facebook page, and there's a great quote from uh, Henry Ford about how asking the people what they want is not necessarily the best way to innovate, you know, because he'd like if I'd said to people, what do you want? They would have said faster horses, but he's gone on to create the Model T Ford and not just the car, but a different way of manufacture, you know, getting into mass production in the same way. Apple, you know, if Apple went out to the public and said, would you, what do you want? They would have just said, Oh, something cool that plays more music could be great versus I want a device that just does everything. I might only ever use it to look at fluffy cat videos, but I want it to be able to do everything. And now we have these, you know, it's not just Apple, you know, there's been innovations from other brands as well, but we have these devices that do amazing things that we wouldn't have thought, like Pokemon Go has swept the world and people are talking about whether they do it or not. No one would have said, oh, I'd really like to be able to chase fictional characters on the, and superimpose them on my real life. Like, would you have asked for that if someone said, what do you want? Well, I think – so I think where we're going here is that whether it's Nintendo or um, whether it's Apple or whether it's um, – Whomever else. Whoever else. They, just, they, are, they were asking smarter questions. Yeah. They were, and it was, again, what Philippe said before about the higher, higher question mm-hmm. – not, you know, how do we want to divide a room, but how do we want to protect intimacy? Imagine if you could take your question to a higher level. Yeah, and fantastic. Said, asking better questions. Hey, thank you so much both for coming in. Philippe, if people want to get in touch with you, find out more about your chair, your cable stop, all the great stuff that you do, what are the, what's the best way to find out more about you and your business? Um, probably 
go to the website, uh, d2melbourne.com.au. And for those of you without a French accent, that's d2melbourne.com.au. Thanks for the translation. Uh, look, it's, you know, it's important. <laughs> important. Um, all right, so head there and there's a whole lot of information about you and your services. Exactly. Fantastic. Danielle, how do we find out more about the uh, MEC and the EIBC? Okay, so you can get the Eastern Innovation Business Centre on all social media and the Monash Enterprise Centre, um, but you can catch us on our EIBC website, eibc.net.au. And, of course, you can catch me, Danielle Story nearly everywhere. So, uh, right. So, can you spell that website again? That was E I B C. There you go. E I B C dot com dot au dot au ah dot net dot au We're doing some really cool, funky stuff with our All website. E I B C dot net dot au. Again, thank you so much for coming in today, uh, listeners. Thanks for joining us for taking care of business. It's been fantastic to uh, have you with us. Um, next week, we'll be back with the ever faithful Jackie Mitchell back in the chair with more more seriousness, more dedication and more getting things done the right way. We've just been making it up as we go, which is all part of the innovative way. So thanks for listening to Taking Care of Business. We're going to head out now with a couple of messages, a bit of music and a bit of fun, and we'll look forward to seeing you back here next week. Make sure you keep taking care of your business. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merriam. Thanks for listening and we hope you can get more success. Get more success.